This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, lead mastery coach at All-Star Dental Academy and president of Vickery Coaching. I'm so excited uh, to interview our guest today, Dr. Al Nardone. Uh, he graduated from Emory University School of Dentistry, where he received his degree in 1986. And he's married with four children, so we have something in common right there, both with four kids. Uh, he enjoys his time with his family, participating in his children's activities. He and his wife are very active in their church, and they support several charity uh, organizations. I love what he's doing when he travels. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, he's a member of the American Dental Association, the Georgia Dental Association, as he's located in Atlanta area, and Northern District Dental Society, Hinman Dental Society, and the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He served as chairman of several committees in these organizations and sat on the executive council of the Northern District Dental Society for three years. His postgraduate education has included completion of all six continuums at the Panky Institute. He is a graduate of the world-renowned Las Vegas Institute for Advanced Dental Studies, and uh, where they provide rigorous postgraduate training in advanced cosmetic techniques. So welcome, Dr. Al Nardone. Thrilled to be with you, Eric. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, I am uh, so excited to have you. I know that we see eye to eye on a lot of things. Uh, we, even, we do. We even counted our kids uh, up exactly the same. <laughs> got to four. Uh, and we both got there in a similar way through uh, way of adoption as well. Right. So I love that about your family and uh, so blessed to have you today. So I want to jump right in. What I want this to be for uh, doctors out there is a way to really see how can I improve my practice? What are some practical things that I can do to reach the next level? A lot of doctors will plateau their practice and they'll think, man, I want to take the next level. And since we're post-pandemic here, right, hopefully, uh, the, the theme I keep hearing from doctors over and over and over again is, you know what, should I get out of network with that insurance? Should I drop that PPO? And I've, been, I've, been, I've had a history of helping doctors do that but you've lived it. You've been in this situation for, some, for quite some time. And so what I really want to discuss with you to help those doctors out there is what, not only what made you decide to be you know, insurance-free in your office, but, but how it's going, how you did it, the practicalities. So let's start with that first. So what made you decide to be an insurance-free office? Well, to be honest with you, initially it was decided for me. I've been practicing a long time. And when I first got into dentistry, uh, networks were certainly out there, but they weren't as prevalent as they, they are now. There wasn't as much pressure to join as there is now. Yeah. And so I bought into a practice that was essentially insurance-free, uh, fee-for-service, where my challenge has been throughout my career is fighting off that pressure all my friends around me were talking about joining networks. One by one, dentists in the area were joining. Uh, at one point, I had a partner who came to me and said, you know, I really feel like we need to jump on the bandwagon. Wow. We need to do this. And so it wasn't so much for me divorcing myself from an existing plan. It was fighting off the temptation to join a plan. And I have to say throughout my career, there's been a tremendous amount of pressure to get involved with a network plan. So, so since what year has your practice been 
out of network insurance free? Um, actually from the beginning. Yeah. So for from you, 1986 was when you started in this practice. Right. Exactly. And okay. so since that time I've been insurance free. Okay. What are some benefits to being insurance free? Like why do you stay in this? I know it's hard to do. So why do you stay in this realm of practice? Well, it, it is hard to do, and I hope to be able to discuss that because there, yeah. there are some challenges to it. But for me, it's a freedom to be able to practice the way I want. It's a freedom to not have someone sitting on my shoulder saying, you have to do this procedure because that's what the insurance says you have to do. Or if I want to pay the bills, this is the way I have to practice. If I want to pay the bills, I've got to be on roller skates. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it takes that out of it for me. And I feel like I'm in more control. Absolutely. That's why I've resisted it for so many years. Absolutely. Now I'm very proud of you and what you've done. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk now about the specifics, you know, uh, the benefits that I see from being insurance free as well is when I see an office that is in network and I, I actually asked you for some data early in the year and then we went through all this, you know, while we were shut down, it's like, I got a project to do. And so I, I put in these practices that I knew that were successful, you know, in network PPO practices. And I put in some practices that I knew were out of network. And I looked at really the, the, the total um, amount of, of production collection, but it really got down to after expenses, what's the profit of the practice? And what you see is when you practice in network, you've got to know how to do that really well. And I think sometimes doctors think, well, I can, I can be in network, but I'm going to practice just like Dr. Nordone did. I mean, I read some things here, you know, whether it's Panky or Las Vegas Institute, there's some things that you want to do that when you're in network is going to drive your fee down so low on those procedures. Even when you go over the maximum, I see uh, up to 40, 45% of the fee written off because you're in network. And that's a 40% of, I mean, we, we, we spend, we'll talk about this, but a certain dollar amount on marketing, we don't spend 40% on marketing. That's a very expensive marketing agency. So when, when you market, um, let's, let's start there. How do you get new patients in the practice? How do you market to get them? And, and how do you turn them over? Let's talk about practical stuff. Well, Eric, I want, I want to address something you said just a minute ago before we get to marketing. I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I want to be clear. I know some practices that are very involved in networks and can be very profitable. Yeah. What I have observed in other practices, in, in a fair number of cases, is they look at the networks to fix a problem that they're not addressing in their practice, be it a lack of efficiency, a lack of organization, um, uh, and I think if you're using that to fix a, a problem elsewhere in your practice, that's where you're going to struggle. If you're yeah. already an efficient, well-run practice, I think you could probably do well in, in a network. But um, If you do it the right way, yeah. If you do it the right way. And so um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a better way to go for me. Yeah. Um, but, but to go to your marketing question yeah. – um, if you're going to be insurance free, you're going to have to market. Yeah. You have to be on top of your game that way. And I will say it took me recognizing that that's not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is dentistry Yeah. and um, it's not marketing. And I certainly tried to do it myself. And I yeah. found that 
Um, I had to drive people in the door. Um, and I had to drive the type of patients that want my environment, my insurance-free environment in the yeah. door. And so I, I had to get professionals involved, just like I hire you as a coach because you're a professional and yeah. you know some things about running dental practice that I don't. Yeah. I know when I need a professional and I needed a professional in marketing. And, and on that, when I see a solo practice doctor, let's take that example, who is in network, who's, who's just trying to get over that million dollar a year mark, struggling because the PPO rates keep dropping it back. They go, I don't have any money to market. Right. And so when you're on your end, how does that look for you? How do you feel about the money you spend on marketing? So initially when I decided to have a professional help me market, I will tell you, it really made me pause. I thought, wow, am I going to do this? And I sat down, I've got some great advisors in terms of my accountant. Um, if I could put a plug in for Kane Waters, they're excellent advising uh, dentists. That's all they do. Um, but they show me the numbers. They show me the percentages. And, and, and in a good, healthy practice, there's a certain percentage that you, of, of your collections that you should, should follow. And they, they showed me that if I invested the money, I could still be in those percentages and um, be just fine. And as you point out, the money I spend on marketing is far less than I would lose by accepting a, a, a lower rate from a network plan. That's exactly so right. I, I actually looked at with my accountants at, okay, what would it mean if I joined a network and I just couldn't get the math to work? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And there's lots of situations where you can analyze it first. When we sit down with a dentist and look at how to get out of networks with, with some of these plans, we don't look at doing all of it at once to get out of network. We actually right. pick and choose who we're going to get out of network first. We do the uh, snowball effect right? We do little ones. We know how many patients are in there. We have a, there's a proper way and, and a wrong way to do this. You don't send a letter out and say, all right, I'm out of network. See you later. The patients just leave. You've been in an interesting situation because they've always been coming to you, but you do get new patients who call who don't know. And they often say, and I talk with, you know, Beth and Maddie about this and they say, do you take my insurance? Right? They get that question. So over the years, how have you, how have you navigated that question to get patients to say, oh, this is the place I still want to come, even though you don't take my insurance. You know, that's what they think. Well, and that was my great discovery because there were so many aspects of my practice that I had to fine tune and, and hone to make sure that I was competitive with, um, in my area, within a 10 minute drive, there's 18 other dentists. Yeah. Uh, most of those practices are in network. And I have had some patients that have left and say, you know, doc, I love you. You're great, but my insurance changed and I got to go in network. Yeah. And I was gratified to see that um, some of those came back. Then they come and back. said, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was not worth it. I will pay whatever. Um, yeah. I actually have some patients that they get their teeth cleaned at the network dentist, but as soon as they're told they need something, they come back to me and say, well, I need treatment. I want you to do it. I'm going to get my teeth cleaned over there, but I want you to do the, the treatment. So interesting. that's an interesting experience as well. Yeah. Um, so, but, but to get to your point, um, I, I will admit probably the last thing that I realized I needed to fine tune. The first thing I thought was I needed to really focus on customer service. I really needed to focus on patient care and really being with that patient and, and understanding what they wanted out of their dental care. Probably the last thing I realized, the last thing I recognized was that I had a bottleneck at my front desk and that was 
on the phone. And actually, I think you were the one that opened my eyes to that in that my marketing was working very well. I was seeing a lot of, of phone calls coming in from my marketing, but I, I ran the numbers and a good 50% were not getting past the phone call and making an appointment. Yeah. And that was because I have tremendous staff at the front desk. They're very experienced. They're very articulate. Yeah. They're very caring. But when it came to that question, do you take my insurance? All of a sudden they become tongue tied. Stuff. And I recognize that if I did nothing else but give them the tools, give them the skills to handle that question, maybe I could raise that 50% acceptance rate to make an appointment. Yeah. If I could just get it to 55%, boy, the, the extra income was well worth it. And yeah. so that's where I got to give kudos to you. You've been very helpful and continue to be. I think it's an ongoing effort. Yeah. Well, and that speaks to the quality of your team. You know, when your practice is able to let go of that 40% write-off rate, you now have a higher collection number, which means you now have a higher payroll number, which means you have more, more incentive as an employee to work for you. Yeah, it might be that I have a challenge, but if I can accept that challenge, I get really excited when I get my paycheck at the end of the, at the, end of the month. And so, you know, having um, the ability to not only have enough money at the end of the month, but you get to do the type of dentistry you want. Your team gets to get trained the way they want. You're investing in them because you have the ability to do so. So that 40% write-off rate for even, let's say it's half your practice is in network. You know, if you're, you're at 800,000, all of a sudden you just blew past 1 million and you have some more financial freedom. And we've even seen practices where they've left the insurances, Right. In, so they increase their fee 40% for say, let's say it's a, a plans that uh, are about 25% of the, of the policy and of the practice. And we increase 25% of our patients fees by 40%. When, when 20% of the, the bottom 20, right? When 20% of those patients leave, right? Well, you've lost a very small portion of your practice, first of all, but the 80% who stay that are paying, you know, 40% more far outweigh any of those who have left. So, so when we do it right and we get people to stay, it's, it's just a win, win, win all the way around. The practice wins, the team wins, and the patient wins because they, they are actually getting healthier. It's amazing. Well, you know what else, Eric? Yeah, jump what, in. What else? One thing that we're not talking about is just the environment and the feel in the practice. We, we talk about the staff, and, and I do yeah. have some very long-term, very committed staff, but they enjoy – working in a fee-for-service practice because they feel like they can get to know the patients. They feel like they can really care about the patients. They are working with patients that really care about good quality dentistry. And I'm not saying you can't get good quality dentistry in a network office. You absolutely can. I want to be clear about that. But they feel like they are afforded the time and the luxury to really get to know the patient. They are actually coached and encouraged to listen to the patient and to meet their needs yeah. and to really develop a relationship with them. And it, yeah. it, it, it just creates this environment that we all enjoy practicing in. Absolutely. So some practical coaching advice for those that are listening. When I work with uh, Dr. Nardone's team on verbal skills, we create systems for verbal skills. We call them specific things. For example, law of the herd, right? So if I say to Beth, hey, remember law of the herd, she'll remember, know what that means. Oh, 
all of our patients who have that insurance and come here really enjoy the practice because share the sizzle, right? Like Heather's taught us. So we can make sure that in the training, when we hear something the patient says, yeah, I'm wondering if you take my insurance, we automatically know transition, transition statement. We can, we can put a system to that and say, oh, I'd be happy to help you out with that. Again, my name is Eric and who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? And then, I can, then I'm in control of the conversation. So we ask questions. That's another system. And we're able to lead them towards the big picture of law of the herd. Everybody comes here. How come you don't come here? There's no, we're not, you know, we're not trying to rip anybody off. Look, everybody comes here, right? And then we get to a place where we build up so much rapport, so much relationship with them. It doesn't need to be a long phone call, but we get to a place where we can actually ask for the appointment and help them understand how the insurance will work in our practice so that they get the best care possible. We always compare highest quality care and service Okay, while still getting some insurance benefits versus just going in network to, you know, sacrifice something when it comes to quality. We never want to be put in that and position. Another phrase I love that you gave us is that uh, when a patient mentions a particular insurance plan they're on, the response is, we have many patients in our practice with that very same plan. Yep. And what they have found is, and then they yep. share the sizzle. Yep. Um, Exactly, and, and so that has been a very useful tool as well. Yeah, that's law of the herd. That's hey, we have a lot of people who have this. Oh, well, let's, we're all moving that direction. Let's. I'm with. I'm with the herd, right? So psychologically, it works. They help understand the process, and when your team understands that they've been trained well enough, it's not so complicated to be at a network. Having said that, are there any any things that you would want to say to dentists who are at a network, maybe they're thinking about going in network or they're new out of school and they're wondering, should I sign up for these plans or should I just, you know, start from scratch? Or maybe there's some dentists who are ready to drop some insurance plans. What advice would you give them as, Hey, this was the best thing I did was this right here. Well, I, I would say to a new dentist just coming out, I, I, I feel for them, there must be an amazing amount of pressure. If you're just starting out, if you're not in an established practice, uh, if you're trying, you're paying student debt, you're trying to pay probably equipment debt or new practice debt. Yeah. Uh, I, I just so feel for the pressure you must be under. And I will say initially compared to your, your, uh, recent classmates, uh, you may find that they're busier than you are. There will be a lag phase when yeah. um, you're going to think, oh my gosh, am I making the, the right decision? And please realize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It does get better and you will have more control in the end. Um, but there's going to be a, a period where you're just going to have to really uh, bite the bullet and work through it. To a dentist that's already on a plan and um, thinking about dropping them, um, I have had a number of friends that have gone through that, and I will say the most successful are the ones that look at the, the long term. Don't do it overnight. I would say take a three or four year um, span and say, okay, by four years from now, I'm going to be insurance free. And it, it takes one on one conversation, uh, patient comes in. We're certainly honoring your plan. We're in network right now. We want to tell you that probably by this time next year or in a year and a half, this we'll be phasing this out. Um, uh, we hope you see the value in, in maintaining a relationship with us. We're not doing it today. You still have some time to prepare, but we want to let you know. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's in a, done in a very personalized, long-term way. 
uh, you don't rip the rug out from under them. Exactly. So two things I'm writing down here. Um, you know, you mentioned your, your fellow students who just graduated are going to be busier than you. And I, I want to point something out. Busy does not equal profitable. I agree. And just because you're seeing a bunch of patients doesn't mean you're profit. When you look at profit margin for a dentist at 25 to 40%, when you're giving 40%, 30% write-off, sometimes you're paying them to come in and see you. You might as well be sitting there working on your marketing. You're not paying anybody to come in. That's okay. Don't be scared to have the slow launch. Uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? <laughs> so you're absolutely right. It's going to take some time. Probably the toughest thing for a dentist to, to sit at a continuing education course or a conference and, and sitting at lunch or, or uh, a cocktail hour after the meeting and having someone in the group say, oh, we have 40 new patients a month. And you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh. That's a great point. I, don't, I, I have 14 a month. <laughs> you know, yeah. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. And um, it, it's not the number. It's not the volume. It's, it's the, the value per the patient. And exactly. I am willing to, to bet that their, their production per patient is nowhere near what yours is. That's and it. you've got to look at it in a, a totally different. Don't just look at the numbers. Yeah, look at the value. Yeah, the, you have to look at numbers uh, from the right vantage point because I would ask them, I would think in terms of quality over quantity in that scenario. And I'd say, well, my 14 or 15 new patients a month that I saw that I did comprehensive exams on, the average treatment plan value was, if you had to guess, what would you say your average new patient treatment plan value size is? Oh, we, we've run the numbers. And so we average you know, probably... Four thousand dollars. Yeah, of, right there. Of, yeah. for yeah. a new for a new patient. Exactly. Um, yeah. that's what that means to us. It versus we saw sixty new patients. Uh, Thirty were uh, well, twenty were kids. Average treatment value zero. Uh, Fifteen to twenty were emergencies. Average treatment plan value, you know, a few hundred dollars under a thousand, maybe a thousand for a crown, maybe fifteen hundred dollars for root canal, and then the last you know, 15 to 20 are going to be of, of actual value. So when you look at those numbers, you have to really understand what are those numbers saying? So when we do KPI tracking. We look at how many phone calls you get, uh, how many new patients do you get from what source are they coming from? So we know that the money that you spent is accurately being spent. It's of value. And then when we look at our new patients, we actually count new patients that are new patients, adult comprehensive exams, not emergencies, not kids. That allows us to get actual value, real number for a treatment plan. And then when we work on case acceptance skills, we know that we're going to convert at least 80% of the people are going to schedule something and they're going to schedule at least 60% of those dollars. So when you look at a $4,000 treatment plan, they're going to schedule $2,400 or more immediately. We're going to do the financial arrangements. We're going to have it all set up. It's going to be done beautifully and everybody's going to be happy and the patient's leaving with a smile on their face. So those are the things that you have to be doing to make sure it's operating well. So towards the end here, what would you say is like either the biggest thing that you, you wish you were doing now or something you had done maybe in the past that you're not doing? What's the big change that you want for your practice that you see yourself doing in the future? Anything like that? Well, I, as I said earlier, my biggest regret is I didn't recognize the phone skills problem early enough. 
Got it. I wish I had had, and my staff was, was commenting on the struggles and they were, they had a cry for help and um, I didn't have the tools to give it to them. And um, I, I think we struggled longer than we should have with that. I wish I had recognized that earlier. I wish I'd brought you in earlier. Um, and I, I, I feel like we still have some more work to do uh, because repetition makes a difference, um, making yeah. it more automatic because uh, it still kind of makes your throat tighten when you get that question. So yes. um, yeah, practice and coaching are, are key. Yeah. And so practice and coaching. So explain what I do for your team, what their feedback is on, what does your team think about coaching? I know you, you record your new patient phone calls, right? So tell us about that. So we record the new patient phone calls. And at first the staff was a little resistant to it because they thought, Oh, you're spying on us. I'll be honest with you. I rarely listen to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tell the staff, I said, you know, I don't have time to do that, but I have a coach that does. And I'm paying (laughs) a coach that has time to do that. And what I like about you is that you're an impartial person. You're not their boss. Um, you're a mentor. You're a friend. Um, you gently point out some things that maybe could be tweaked. Um, it's helping them go from being already a superior employee to an extra superior employee. It's, yeah. it's, as, like I said, you never reach perfection. You're always striving to learn and improve. And that's what makes um, life interesting is that you're always improving. And, and I can always improve. I can always learn from this coaching. And I hope you can too. And so I like the fact that, that you're looking from the outside in. You're not part of the practice as an employee or as, a, as an owner. Um, you're giving valuable feedback in a very non-threatening way. It's not the boss saying you need to change this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, and I deal with this a lot where I get team members who are, if I, if I come on site or if I'm listening to recordings, they feel like they're being judged. And one of the first things I lead uh, out with the team is I'm not here to judge you. I am here to be your team member. And just like an athlete who watches themselves on film and they look at it and they say, oh, I see what they did there. I see what I did do there. The mm-hmm. audio file is a way to look at film. And we look at it together and we evaluate it. And we just say, you know, and we do it one-on-one. So I think, I think the team really loves it one-on-one because they don't feel like the other team members are judging them either. There's no criticism. Right. It's, it's just good advice from somebody you trust. And, and then team members slowly start to feel comfortable with me. And, and pointing some things out. So, yeah, I love that I get to coach uh, your, your team members one-on-one. Yeah. It's been great. So to, to tell you how we did it before you got involved, we used to sit in a staff meeting setting and we would either play a recording or we would role play and say, okay, this is an example that we had. All right, you play the patient, you play the person on the phone. And they hated it. Yeah. They could not stand being on the spot <laughs> in front of their coworkers. Uh, they felt like I was judging them. They felt like their coworkers were judging them. Uh, with your coaching, this gives them the chance to go off into an office by themselves, privately. It's, they remove themselves from the workday and just have some one-on-one coaching, and it's kind of like a rejuvenation for them. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. I, I love the setup. It's been great feedback from them. I love working with them. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much sure. for being willing to really uh, – 
take time out of your schedule to invest in others. I appreciate it. What I'm hoping the listeners are getting is, hey, there's steps that I can take to do this. There's people who do this all the time. And don't focus on fear. Focus on the opportunity of what's to come. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just, just to uh, talk about what we did, how we, we first start working together. The first time we met, I came into your practice physically did yes. what we call it all-star jump start, right? An on-site visit. We had the whole team in. We worked on verbal skills from top to bottom. Uh, we do that virtually now and, and physically, but we're really doing a lot more virtually because uh, people are nervous about people traveling and coming in their office. So, you know, now it's a virtual thing. Uh, how, did the, how did the team respond to the on-site visit? Well, I got to back up to, to before you came in because yeah. my team spent, most of them have been with me a long time and, and we do a lot of continuing education. We've had coaches before. And when I announced to them, Hey, I found someone that's going to come in and run a meeting for us. You should have seen the eyes looking at the ceiling and rolling. Uh, <laughs> here we go again. Um, one person even said, what is he going to tell me that I don't already know? Yeah. What's different about this guy? And I said, you know, please just trust me. <laughs> and um, and I, I think I shared with you, I said, you need to know, I've got some long-term, very well-educated team members that might be a little resistant. And some of them were actually sitting like this in, in the meeting when you started out. <laughs> and within, within 20 minutes, I knew it was going to be okay because it was your style, it was your delivery, it was... Um, very non-threading, yeah. non-judgmental, um, really partnering with them. Um, and within an hour, you had the meaning out of the palm of your hand. You were, you were uh, great. And um, they came to me after you left and said that was probably one of the best coaching sessions we've ever had. Yeah, I remember that day. That was almost a year, and a, I think a year and a half ago or so. That was really good. Mm -hmm. And when you have a really good team, it's so easy for me. And it makes it easy because they're receiving it and they're able to say, oh, I do that. Oh, I want to add that piece though. I want to add that to it. So that's been great. And then of course, we've been well, what was great is because they're so sharp, they challenged you on some things. They yeah. would say, yeah, but what about in this situation? <laughs> and because you're so knowledgeable, you were able to come back with a very articulate answer. And I think that's what won them over was they were testing you and they said, okay, this guy really does know his stuff. So, you know, I have been coaching for 20 years now, just about, and the first practice I managed before I coached, we went insurance-free. We went through that process. So I'm very used to being on the front lines, getting that question on the phone from patients. So I love that I can relate to what team members say. They say, well, what do you do when they say this? What do you do when they say that? And there is no perfect, you know, you know script, but you can have, understand how to have a conversation and use the right verbal skills with answering a question with a question to then answer the right question, you know, dig a level deeper, have the systems in place, law of the herd, research, engage, you know, ask for the appointment, all the things that we talk about in systems with all-star and, and verbal skill training that we've done over the years, it makes it easier for the team. They go, oh, that makes sense. If you can really simplify it, make it make sense for them, then they can actually apply it. There's no point in sitting and having a team meeting and doing this. They're not going to do something with the information and they've absolutely been applying it. It's been great. Right. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad we had a chance to, to, to do this. You know, I am also, we just started doing a, a Facebook management program and I, and you were so kind to let me uh, do that for you. And so what's Absolutely. been the feedback on the, on the Facebook management? Has that been good as well? It has. And you know, for me, it's just one more thing that I can check off my list. Um, yeah. Running a practice, there's just so many things to do. And that was something else that I realized we were doing poorly. 
And if it was ever going to get done right, I needed someone that knew what they were doing was going to pay attention to it. And, and for me, it's just been such a relief um, to have you take that over and, and handle it for us on a regular basis. We were, yeah. some days we would do it really well. Some days we do it poorly. Some weeks we wouldn't do it at all. And um, just to have the consistency uh, has just been such a gift to me. It's been great. Yeah, it's been great. I, I, you've got good patients who follow you because they're staying engaged. They're liking things, they're commenting on things. And so I'm able to respond to it. It's been really good. So that's been awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nadone. I really appreciate your time. And for everyone that's been listening, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to invest in yourself. Now, go out there and be and be an all-star be an (laughs) all-star we hope you enjoyed this episode of dental all-stars visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com